Michael did not men- mention the title of the series for tonight and, and next Sunday night. And that's because Michael wasn't sure what it was. And, <laughs> and one or two others weren't sure either. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test how many of you I'm testing. Okay, look at the anxiety level rising. I'm testing how many of you are influencers. Because the title of my message tonight is... Get ready with me. So this is a this is a fashion. Are you guys okay, Mike, Vince, Matt? You guys know it's not in the Bible. Okay. The Bible says, "Prepare yourself this day and to the next." Um, but um, fashion bloggers, for those of you who couldn't be really too uh, concerned, fashion bloggers like to use this as a little phrase, and that's like. To, to tell you how they're going to dress that day. Like, I'm going to put this pants on and then I'm going to put those shoes on with that sock. And, and then they call that whole little video of vlogging or blogging, get ready with me. I want to talk to you today, uh, tonight and next week about the, the importance that what you think you call a vibe and the Bible calls a garment is in your life. What I mean by that is, have you, have you ever wondered what the biblical term is for somebody who has a heavy vibe or somebody has a joyful vibe? That's actually a biblical concept. There's a biblical language around that. So let me take it back a little and help you understand what I mean. I don't know what your at-home casual attire is. Like, I don't know what your go-to is. When you're at home and you're not expecting guests, and you're not expecting to go out, but you are a Christian. I just needed to add that in because I was very concerned about what some of your uh, answers might be. But what's your go-to attire? So I've got like, I've got shorts, shorts. I've got an embarrassing pair of uh, sandals. They are embarrassing because I would never be seen in a public place with them. Because they are those ones that look like a towel that has been made into slippers. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, you get them at hotels and things. But if you walk around with them in public, you're an old man. How many of you? How many of you know what I mean? I'm not wearing Birkenstocks at home. Uh, uh, I, I need to get mileage out of them in public places because it was a very expensive thing to do. And I only, oh, oh right, okay. Well, you don't have Birkenstocks, so when you get them, you'll know what I mean. Uh, for some reason, my go-to is like swimming shorts. I, I don't know why. My casual is swimming shorts. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's because like it's both shorts and underpants all wrapped up in one. I'm not sure why. I like oversized T-shirts, extra large from Willie's preferably. I must look like a sack of Millie's. I'm not really sure why that is. It's my go-to. And then if the weather gets a little uh, cooler, I've got a certain wouldn't be seen in public like, I don't know what it is. I think it's a scarf that became a top. Like, it's mostly a scarf. It's so big, the scarf. But it's sprouted arms. And so I can, I can put that on. When I'm wearing that, I'm not planning on going anywhere. 
I used to make the mistake, it's just humor, but it's all going to have a point. I used to make the mistake that my gym wear and my casual wear would often be the same. Now that's a mistake. You mustn't do that. Let me tell you why. You're not mentally prepared to gym if you don't get into gym wear. Like you need a line that says, I'm taking off the casual and I'm putting on the doing business in the gym-like vibe. You must spend money on it. You must get the right attire for it. You must get into it. There are shoes you use for gymming and shoes you use for dating. Well, just going out, just going kick. Can we just have an amen on that? And you've got to be careful how you over overblend it. I guess the point I'm trying to make is you can pretty much tell where people are going by how they're dressed. And the same is true about where you're going in life by the attire of attitude that you put on. You can sort of tell whether this is going to get you anywhere or get you nowhere. I'll give you an example. Not so long ago, speaking to a friend who was sulking a lot, all the time, very sulky. They were sulking because they were hoping that a girl would noticed them and they had a particular girl in mind and this girl wasn't noticing them. And he wasn't saying anything to, to just he just hoped that magically. And instead of saying something and bringing his best game with his best smile, he just sulked. And I just said to him, you're making yourself less and less attractive every day. Like the sulkier you become, the further your goal is going to go away. Sometimes the heavier we become, the further God's plan for us seems to go away. It becomes our responsibility to show up at God's plan with joy, with energy, with thanksgiving, with gratitude, with eagerness, and with interest. Do you say amen to that? You're going to show up with a bit of fire, you know. And I think... It's important to try and work out why that's sometimes quite hard to do. And so I thought we would talk about that a bit. Acts chapter 12 um, from verse 6 tells this rather hectic story about a moment in prison. But there's some lessons we can learn from that. And I'm not encouraging you to go to prison. Please try not to. But while, while the apostle was in prison, this happens. The very night before Herod was to bring him forward, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. Interesting that that that. Poetry continues. Um, bound with two chains and, and sentries were in the front door guarding the prison. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared beside them and a light shone in the prison cell. The angel struck Peter on his side and awakened him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, prepare yourself. Would you mind repeating just that word, those two words, prepare yourself? Would you mind doing that? One, two, three. Yeah, prepare yourself. Get ready with me is how Peter would have said it if uh, the angel would have said it if it was modern language. Prepare yourself. The way you're going about it, we're not going anywhere, but I want you to go somewhere, so I want you to prepare. Even in a prison cell, it's weird. God would say, I know your environment doesn't look very good, but you know, to mentally and emotionally and spiritually prepare yourself. You're getting out of this and you're going somewhere, so get ready. This idea of getting ready, you know, uh, it's pretty important 
that you, you, you don't have a mental attitude that somebody else must get things ready for you and then come to you with a ready future, but that you are ready in season and out of season for the next season of what God has for you. You have to have a certain emotional fitness. Amen? So there's a certain spiritual fitness in order to get ready. Prepare yourself, um, strap on your sandals, get those Birkenstocks on, get ready uh, and, and follow me. And, and he did so, and the angel told him, put on your robe and follow me. A whole dress code conversation takes place there. That dress code conversation happens a lot in the Bible. Take, for example, Adam and Eve's dress code when they sinned. They made for themselves garments out of fig leaves. This desire to, to, to cover ourselves because of shame or this desire to show off in the way we show up because of pride or in this, in this humility of a servant's garment when uh, uh, Jesus uh, washes the disciples' feet. I'll show you all of that in a moment. E even in Ephesians, another form of dress code, put on the whole armour of God. This, this idea of putting, putting on a garment. Now, over, over many years ago, <clears throat> some of you already know this, I really battled with anxiety. Now, nowadays, it's almost, almost like a given condition that we all have. I think we must be careful not to give ourselves conditions we can't recover from. And I think you can have any condition that you think you genuinely have, so long as you believe that it is a condition you can recover from, not a condition you're going to die from. Can you say amen to that? I think that's really important. I know that's a tough thing to say. I had huge anxiety. I had, and I, it, was all, it was mostly my fault. And I, I can tell you exactly what it was. I um, battled to remember enough people's names in church. So I'd be very embarrassed by that. And I'd start hiding away. And even when I'd go to gym, I'd, I'd go to gym, I'd get to the car and I'd see how many cars were in the parking lot. And if I thought there were people in the gym that were maybe from the church and I wouldn't remember names, I'd just go home. I'd, break out in sweats. And I didn't think, I thought I was hiding it very well. And one day there was a therapist in the service. There are a couple of therapists in our church, which is very stressful. Just want to, it's like having prophets in your church. It's like very stressful. Like when they come to see you, what are they, what have they seen now that they, that I didn't see? What are they? And the therapist waited for me at the car and he said, I'm worried about you. You're behaving strangely. I'm like, you're not leading me anywhere. I'm leading you somewhere. I'm the pastor here. And he just said, I just want you to think about it. I, I'm noticing some antisocial behavior. And if you ever want to talk about it, you can come talk to me and it's free. And a few months later, I went and spoke to him and he was quite right. I was demonstrating. So here's what was happening. It becomes self-fulfilling. Uh, you think you're not good at it or worried about it. You don't do it. You withdraw. Then you say to yourself, I really don't know anybody. So it proves the very anxiety that you had and you get into a loop. And I found his advice really remarkable. He said, what you've got to do is you break the cycle by choosing to learn two or three names every week. You don't avoid it. You put on the very thing that you think you're broken in. You put it on and you get it right. You see, if I'm struggling with negativity, I must put on the garment of praise, speak praise, sing praise, declare praise, and it won't be long that my function will follow that form. 
You need good form to get godly function. Don't wait for how you feel to produce your form. You need to establish the form and then your feeling will follow the form. So when I don't feel like going to gym, but the alarm goes off and the shoes for gym are there and the socks for gym are there and the shirt for gym is there and the card is there and the towel is there, the form informs my feelings. Come on, just get the shoes on. That's all you're going to do, right? Now just get the shoes on. After this, you just get the card. Just You just need the card. Just get that double shot espresso in the system. Just to, And before you know it, the behavior is following the pattern that you have established in your life. So I guess, I guess this is the idea of the dress code, you know, why it features so prominently. God talks in the Old Testament, our dead works, our own acts of salvation, our filthy rags in the New Testament that Christ gives us a, a garment of righteousness. It's all over in the Bible and there's probably the kind of thing we should look at. In John chapter 13, there's another passage of Scripture that also makes me nervous a little because I've had this experience once or twice and it is both beautiful and very awkward, okay? I've, per I've personally had this experience. So I can tell you that it is awkward and beautiful. It's the story in the Bible where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And I say I've had the experience because somewhere along the line over my 30 years of being a pastor, somebody has asked if they can wash my feet. And for that reason, I have excellent foot hygiene. Excellent. My toes do not look like the toes of a goat. They are trimmed and neat because if anybody ever walks up to me, I don't want to have to say, next week, please, because there's a biological experiment. No, it is perfect. Now, we don't need to practice this today. I've already explained to you that it's very awkward. I'm not inviting this in my life. But I do want to ask a question. Is the obedience of this scripture meant to be taken literally? Or is there a metaphorical practice to the scripture? Let's read it. John chapter 13, verse 12. So when he had finished their feet, uh, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord and you say so well, for so I am. If I then your teacher, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. I, I wonder about that verse. Like, I mean, we don't, we don't practice it practically too often, right? Yet it would seem like a pretty clear instruction. Like, are we supposed to? Is it a good idea to physically wash people's feet? Look, nothing wrong with doing that if it's done with pure motive, okay? Because motives can get messed up there. You've got to do it with pure motive. But I don't know if the only way you can re respond to that scripture is, is practical, is, is, is literal. Maybe the idea of the scripture is also, you've walked a long walk, but you've got a long walk ahead of you, which was why that Jesus' feet was washed. Jesus' feet wasn't washed because of where he had come from. Jesus' feet was washed because of where he was going. You see, the woman washed his feet with her hair and tears and the other poured ointment, not because Jesus had walked a long road, but because she knew he was to walk 
to a cross, then a grave, and from a grave to a throne. And when he got to the throne, he had to be a prince. And now he wasn't a prince, he was just a man. But soon he would be prince, and then he would be king, and then he would be king of kings, and he would be prepared for his throne. He wasn't washing, he wasn't, she wasn't washing his feet because he'd had a tough month or year or three years. She was washing his feet because I know where you're going. And the ground you're walking on is holy. So we're going to take off the sandals because this is holy ground. Moses, it's not where you've come from where you killed somebody and messed it up. It's where you're standing in front of a burning bush and where you're going is so important. I'm going to use you. So you're going to take your sandals off and get your feet touching the ground and holy and purified. And then Jesus says, well, I want you to do that for one another. And I wonder if spiritual life isn't about I prepare you for where you're going and we prepare and motivate one another where you're going rather than worried about where you've come from, rather than. Maybe there's a metaphorical way of applying that scripture that, that every week in church and through friendship circles and small groups and conversations, the real command of scripture is you're going places. Get ready. Get ready. Dress right. Uh, have you ever been invited someplace and you've had to ask the question what the dress code is? Because you never wanted to be the odd person out. And how many of you admit you've Googled what smart casual means? Because smart casual is depends in which province. <laughs> depends which province. Smart casual is different, you know. Smart casual in East London. Smart casual in PE, smart casual in Joburg, very different. Eh? In Joburg, I think you still got to wear a belt for smart casual. But I think in PE, East London, maybe just not shorts is the, is the rule. Do you know, it sounds weird, but there's this incredibly interesting parable Jesus tells where people are invited to the wedding feast. And they, they come from everywhere. And then some who were at the wedding feast, the inviter, the, the one who said, you're not dressed for the wedding and, and actually kicked them out. And I've always thought that was very, very harsh. And, and it is a bit harsh. But the idea there is when you, get in, when, when you get to the table of the Lord, be in awe of where you are. Come, come dressed emotionally for the moment. Do you know what I mean? There's this one great preacher, T.D. Jakes. I'm sure you all listen to him at some point or other. If you don't, you really should. Because I'm just filling in what he's left out, you know, at this point. Um, but he makes his church stand whenever they read the Bible. Because he thinks that's how you should read the Bible. You should read the Bible standing. Like you, there should be some sort of a, you shouldn't be in bed upside down. You know, you should be staying. I don't, you know, I don't think that it's like that. Let's not make that a religion. It's just a cool vibe there in his church. It works well. But what he's trying to say is like, hey, get snap out of it. We're going to do something important here now. You do that all the time, don't you? When you're going to meet her parents. You give some thought. No, you do, you do. The weave's got to be on point and... I'm just leaving that for a bit just to see how much trouble I got into. The shoes got to be right, maybe recent at least. Maybe if you're wearing white shoes, get them cleaned up. And because, you know, I don't know some whiteies especially. 
I really need to wash those laces. You would get ready. And I guess my conversation for, for you tonight is, uh, where are you going? Are you getting ready for it? And then if you don't know where you're going, maybe just get ready for something. Then God seeing your readiness will open the door for you. God seeing your readiness will open the door for you. So in that story, in that um, miracle in the book of Acts where the prison um, shakes and Peter is released, let's extract four steps, four phases, four lessons, I guess, that we could take about how to dress for better emotionally and, and spiritually and metaphorically. How to be better prepared um, in your head and heart. And to let the Holy Spirit do the transforming in you so that you can switch from heaviness to joy and gratitude and thanksgiving. And so the first idea is that um, the Bible says that, that the, the prison was shaken and light shone in the prison. Do you know, um, you need to let God lighten up how you see the world a bit. You need to let God lighten up how you see the world and how you see your future and your life and plans for your future. You know, everything in the light looks a little different. And when God shines his light on something, it just transforms it from an uncertain thing to a, to a beautiful thing. It doesn't, have to be, it doesn't have to be clear to the head. It just has to be beautiful to the eyes. The Bible talks about how that we have seen the work of the Lord and it is marvelous in our eyes. There's a verse that says that. How marvelous are your works, O Lord, that my soul knows very well. Also a verse in the Bible. You have to let, you have to let the spiritual light shine on everything and give you its beauty. You know, your, your life has beauty to it with all its bits and pieces and sometimes it's brokenness. When the light of God comes on it, you see beauty in it. Even if you're going through a really tough time now, can I tell you what? What's the natural inclination you're going through depression? Switch the lights off, dark room, sad music, overeat or don't eat at all. Right? What does the, the, the gospel do? Turn the light on. Open the windows, let fresh air in, let songs of praise arise. Break the form that the devil wants to constrict you in, that garment of heaviness and break through into a garment of praise. Let the light in. Amen. Ephesians 1 reminds us that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding should be enlightened. There's just beauty in the light. And then the second idea is that the, the, the chains on Peter fell. Uh, and and I, I want to talk to you about cancelling chains. You know, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, but life is full of leeches. Not, not friends, that leech from you. Okay, just be careful. Don't look now. You might be sitting next to somebody you've always wanted to tell them. <laughs> look, saint, you're a bit of a leech. Um, that, that's not what I mean. What I mean by that is, <clears throat> there is there is the event 
And then there is the constant draining of your soul after the event. Those are two separate things. We can all go through events, circumstances, and how we get over them or past them changes. It varies from person to person. One person gets through it quickly, and for another person, it holds them down. That's the chain. It holds you down. A remark is made about your character or your personality or an attempt for something that ends in a bit of an embarrassing failure and chains, leeches, drains over your soul. But I wanted to encourage you today, every now and then you need a divine moment that breaks those chains and reminds you that you want to hear the voice of heaven directly into your soul. You are my child. I am your father. I love you. I'm well pleased with you. And you need the, the constant caking on of chains to be broken over our lives. Maybe, maybe you think it's only like really like hectic people who have spiritual chains. Maybe you think it's like those guys with the demons, you know, like at least you're not one of those. I'm willing to, I'm willing to, I can't say bet. That's a weird thing to say in the pulpit. I'm pretty sure, because I think it's been true in my life, and it's true in yours. You've had periods in your life, and you might be in a period in your life, where you feel too chained down to think about a future going up. Now let me tell you, that's ungodly. The Spirit of God must come and break the chain Whatever it is, it could be a criticism, it could be a physical condition, it could be a self-image, it could be something, a failure, and it's holding you down just when you want to be happy. Something comes over your face and reminds you of it and it pulls the happiness away and ties you down. Peter, I want you to wake up. I don't want you to be sad. I've got a plan for you. This little prison isn't going to last forever. Let's break the chains. Let's get moving. Let's get moving. Get ready with me, Peter. We're going somewhere. I think sometimes we become too comfortable in our little prison cells and to our little chains. And, you know, we've now reached the point where we're naming our chains like we do pets, you know. And I, I, don't, I don't want to befriend my condition. I want to be healed from my condition. I don't want to be befriend it. I don't want to become an expert in it. I don't want to have small groups around people with my condition, whatever it is. I want to have small groups around people who are full of life, who are life-receiving and life-giving, and it won't be long and the chains will be broken. Do not give yourself permission to stay in a prison. You've got to let light in and you've got to let the chains to break. You've got to let the chains break and then you can, you can fly again. Whatever you got going on, it's not terminal, spiritually or emotionally speaking. You will recover and you will be set free. Peter, snap out of it. Romans chapter 7 verse 6, but now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from that law so that we can serve in a new way of the Spirit and not in the way, old ways, of some written code. All that is re- it's really uh, higher grade English for saying, whatever happened in your history should not be the reason why you are responding in your future. That got cancelled and we start fresh. So now we can set sail for the future and we don't have to constantly 
explain it from the past. You probably, I should finish now and I have two more. You probably know this story, but it's worth knowing. It's like just if you've heard me say it before, just say, oh, the old guy is repeating himself. But uh, I don't know the old guy is not me. Um, and there Jesus is calling somebody. Uh, you know, when the alarm goes off because of this intermittent fasting, I told you all I want to do is eat when I hear that alarm. So right now, you guys all look like burgers and fries. I'm so inspired and I can't eat until tomorrow. Um, but uh, there's this old old adage, old story, you know, man has two sons. One son becomes highly successful. Other son becomes a drunkard and an alto- alcoholic. A man interviews the two sons. Why are you a drunkard and an alcoholic? The son says, because my father was a drunkard and an alcoholic. They asked the successful brother, why are you successful? And he said, I am successful because my father was an alcoholic. Same experience, but unwilling to let that page write the story of every page thereafter. You have to stop doing that. In fact, you have to be careful, you know. You have to be careful. You don't say, well, you know, I've done well if you knew where I came from. You have to be careful because that's true. But be careful that you don't feel you have to apologize for your wins by explaining to someone that you've had losses. Like stop apologizing. Not everything has to be a deal. Sometimes you can just afford it. You have to be careful of it. Oh, I like the great shoes. I got them 50%, eh? Maybe one day you can just afford to get them at sell price, at the asking price when it comes out. I don't have to apologize for that. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like you've got to immediately apologize. That's a dangerous thing that. I've been, I've been rebuking myself and my friends. When I have a deal, I'm going to tell you because I'm Greek. But when I want something and I can afford it, I'm going to get it. And I don't think you, you, you have to be very careful. You don't live an apologetic life. You're allowed to live an expansive, wise, mature, don't have to flex, but expansive, but you certainly don't have to apologize for everything all the time. I think you have to be careful of that. And then in that story, uh, uh, in that miracle, it's not just a story, it's a factual recounting. Um, The angel says to Peter, put some shoes on. You're not at home now, we're going somewhere. Put some shoes on. I'm going to irritate so many people with what I'm about to say. My other go-to shoe when I'm at home, Crocs. Wow. Only because I would never be seen in public. Good as my toes are. Let me just explain to you. If your shoes have a four by four option, okay? If you could put them in four by four mode, then I think they must stay at home. Like, I'm just being honest. You guys don't agree with me because you guys are wearing them right now and you've got what? What are those toys that you put in? I mean, even that, why are we having this conversation? What are the toys called? Giblets. Gremlins. (laughs) Okay, I don't know. I don't want to know. I don't want to add that into my life in any way. I I think they're awesome because when I work in the garden, I can just wash them off with those, Bob. I'm sorry to say. Uh, But the Bible does say uh, put on the shoes of the readiness of the gospel um, in Romans. What it's saying is live your life in such a way that if somebody asked you about your life, you would have to add the gospel in the explanation. 
You would have to. You could say, I had a great upbringing. You would say, I'm blessed with having had a good this or a good that. But what you've got to add, I wouldn't be me if it wasn't for him. I don't go anywhere in my conversations without the shoes of the gospel. I think that's very important. So you, you need to have free feet, a willingness to um, be able to um, in, introduce the story of the gospel in everything. In Luke chapter 15, it's the famous story of the parable son, of the prodigal son. It says this, but the father said to his servants when he comes home, bring out the best robe. See, dress code. Because while he was out there, he started dressing like a servant and a slave. You come home now, you change your dress code. You're not like that. You're like this now. Put a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger so people know where he's from. Get the right shoes on because we're kingdom people. And I don't want him looking and acting and sounding like a lost soul. I want him looking and acting and sounding like a son in the house. Amen. And finally, um, that story ends with uh, the angel saying to Peter, gather your garments, let's go. And I thought I would end with gathering garments. And the only thing I could end on that, uh, um, that would be helpful in the few minutes we have is, you really do need to, um, you need to put on the garment of praise. Now, that needs an explanation, I guess. Um, there are some Christians, I'm sorry to say this, I mean it, but I'm going to say it just because I want to introduce the positive side of this. They, they overdo it on some things. And what I mean by that is they hallelujah praise the Lord about everything. They got to the McDonald's drive through and there were no other cars there. Hallelujah. I mean, I mean, it's cool and all. Or the devil tricked you and, you know, I don't know, got you in first. I don't know, I don't know. I'm just saying, don't overdo it. So the hallelujahing over the smallest things or in the most awkward places, you know, you're at, you're at Willie's and you're checking out and it's under 5,000 rand and you're like, praise the Lord. For, when said for a chicken. You know, there's people here that are managers at Willie's, eh? You're losing friends like it. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I, that incident really happened to me. I bought some stuff at Willie's and it was under a thousand rand. And I'm, you must know, to make something under a thousand rand at Willie's is quite a, it's a miraculous moment. And when it got to 980, I just blurted it out. I looked at it and I said, oh, it's a good day. She said, yeah, you're the first guy under a thousand all day. <laughs> she knew exactly what I was talking about. She was like, yeah, shame. Overdo it. But then there's a bunch of Christians who never do it. Who never have a phrase that says, God is good. Who never say, praise the Lord. Who have no language for spiritual gratitude. When somebody gives you something, you say, oh, thank you so much. Or maybe your language is something more contemporary, sharp. You got language for it. Do you have spiritual language for gratitude? Because the garment of praise will turn around a spirit of heaviness quicker than medication. Doesn't have to replace it, but quicker. You just get up every day and you accumulate a garment of praise. 
I found this morning, no, yesterday morning, really a beautiful sunrise. Don't, you don't need to Instagram it. There are too many Instagram photos of clouds. We can, be, we can be cool about the clouds. But you can get up and appreciate it and say, Lord, I am grateful for this day. I don't know what this day holds, but I'm dressing with a view that we're going to go somewhere today. We're going to see something today. We're going to do something today. But it's going to be, I'm, I'm getting ready with you. You know, the Bible says God puts on the dawn like a garment. And when the world has done its full cycle and he wants to make a new heaven and a new earth, he wraps up the old earth like a garment. The dawn is God dressing for your day. That's cool for the poetic. Isaiah 61, closing scripture promise. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Get ready with me. That's the invitation of heaven to not slip into a stay at home and go nowhere dress code, but to put yourself out there with praise and light and gospel readiness for shoes and an eagerness to step out in faith. Can you say amen to that? Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. Um, One or two guys are going to get ready for you at the coffee shop and all that. Don't go anywhere. We're like on load shedding stage 11. So like stay here. There's there's cool, hot people, hot coffee, Wait, I shouldn't have said that. Cool people are, I don't know know what I'm saying. But I do in my prayer want to lean in on the chains issue. I felt when I was sharing with you that there was something there in your um, awareness that you're being held to the ground and prevented from flying by things. I thought maybe I would just like to lean into that. And we could have we could lean into a number of things we talked about tonight. So maybe get the podcast and if you want and go through it um, in your own personal life and your devotional life. You're welcome to do that. I think it's on all kinds of pod, podcast platforms. Hashtag influencer. Um, but I'd like to pray about the change. So could we do that for a moment? Let's just let's just lean in there for a bit. Lord, thank you that you prompt us to readiness. The angel had to come to Peter and literally kick him on the sides and say, in the sides and say, let's go, let's go, let's go. (laughs) You're not staying here forever. Get ready. And tonight, Lord, we want to be ready for a future, ready for a plan, ready for a destiny. In the name of Jesus, will you break every chain, remove every shackle, take every burden of heaviness, replacing it with joy, a garment of praise, a readiness and willingness to step out in faith, to walk a distance further, to wash and prepare one another's feet because of where we are going without being held to where we've come from. Holy Spirit, will you please ready us for a great next season? 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, we'd give God a shout of praise and thanksgiving. It's our culture.